Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast number 297. Kurt Morrison here. Hope things are going well. You're getting your goals, becoming better at persuasion, motivation, influence, self-persuasion. You name it, those are the soft skills that matter. Kind of a down week for me, which is good. Was doing a lot of traveling there for a bit. So I had a little more time this week to work on the book, to do some leg therapy, to enjoy the weather. Hope you are doing the same. Keep your emails coming. I do appreciate those. That's Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And of course, MaximizeYourInfluence.com is where you can find everything you need from the coaching to the free books to taking your Persuasion IQ test. All in one spot. So let's get into it. Let's start off this week with the homework. Don't, don't, don't. Of course, that sound means this is our persuasion blunder of the week for the podcast. And this one I got a few years ago. I'd forgot about it until I found the scanned paperwork I have. What happened is we had a painter. We had multiple painters come to our house, look around, give us bids. This one painter who was a little too aggressive in your face, didn't connect well with my wife, left something. And it was a list of closing skills. He had just come from closing training. And you know my motto, closing skills is like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. <laughs> okay, there's a time and place for those, but building trust, opening people up is a little bit more important than getting right to those closing skills. So she's wondering if this notebook was mine because it had a lot of persuasion, closing stuff fit in. I'm like, no, but it's gold. And I went and photocopied it before this guy came back. And I'm just going to share a few with you and then... See if they rate as a blunder for you. I mean, the first one was the big old, the puppy dog clothes. You know that one where you just get in and do it a little bit at a time. Not sure how you do that with painting. Maybe you just paint one wall and wait till they beg you to come back to pay you to finish the rest of the walls. <laughs> That's something you could do. Here's one. It doesn't really have a name or I can't read it. It says, we will discuss your wants and needs first. Then I'm going to tell you how we can serve you. Uh, I don't know. It seems a little cheesy. I mean, a little high lactose there. This one's a secondary close. I owe you an apology for letting you down. Trust me. I've let you down. I haven't been able to convince you that we're the best. <laughs> and I don't want you to go with a bad competitor. How about this one? The wedding close. <laughs> okay. How long have you two been married? Was it a wonderful day, your wedding day? Do you remember how much you loved your spouse, your wife, your husband, and that you'd do anything for them? Just like getting your house painted right now. <laughs> Ooh, getting worse, getting cheesier there. Here's one they called the Nike clothes. I do think that's a trademark violation, but it says, Nike, do it, be aggressive. You're being nice to them. They get to do business with you. <laughs> and then it says, star by it. Don't be surprised if you're uncomfortable at closing. <laughs> it takes a while to get used to. Okay, if you're using those, that's going to happen. And the worst one, actually labeled called the puke clothes. And it does say next to it, not the best clothes, but this is how it goes. 
This will be gold for you. Well, maybe not. But anyway, it'd be interesting to listen to. You're going to use my competitor? That's going to make me sick. It'll have to puke in your front yard. Oh, paint my house. <laughs> okay. Yep, they're still teaching this stuff. Still out there. Very old school. High lactose. Very cheesy. But that's the blunder of the week. Some really interesting old-fashioned closes. Some that I never really see working. And then some are just kind of fun to listen to. So... Don't use those. Not going to help you out. Open them up, build the trust, create the need, find the need. Much easier than using these old school techniques. Again, don't get me wrong. There's a time and place for a close, but hopefully by the time you get there, they've already closed themselves. You don't need them, and you can move on. Next segment, we have a listener email. This is Tom from Fresno, California. He says, thanks for sharing your knowledge on Maximize Your Influence and on your YouTube channel. Appreciate it, Tom. And he just says, quick question. Why do you keep saying trust is an all-time low around the world? Because it is? I don't know, because why do I say that or why is trust? I guess, why is trust an all-time low? We can talk about that. I mean, studies do show that. Last one I did, it dropped to 6% in five years. So there's something about people being skeptical and mistrusting. Now, since you're a listener to the show, I'm sure you're a good, trustworthy person. But do not make the mistake because you're a trustworthy person means that people trust you. I keep hounding on that one, but that one's so important to understand because 20 years ago, I trust you, give me a reason not to. Now we're starting way behind that where I don't trust you, give me a reason to trust you. And there's a couple issues there that are just glaring at us now. Trust is an all-time low. First of all, as we get younger in the workplace, younger generations, it's just people treat authority different. So like police officers, there should be a high trust level there, but the media always focuses on the negative or the media will look at 10 repair people for your air conditioner, for example, and one's dishonest, they'll focus on that one. That can be an issue. Plus, people just don't respect authority like they used to. When we get a phone call from the Michigan State Police wanting influence training, I'm like, you've got guns. What do you need me for? But the, the guns just don't work like they used to. That apparent threat of using it's not there. The tasers, the other things, they want other influence tools. And so that's an issue, even in the workplace. You need to do this. I don't want to. Well, I'm the boss, you have to. No, I don't want to. There's some challenges there with authority. And another factor is access to information. Everyone's become the expert now. Anybody can go to YouTube or Google it and find out information that they want to. And so people feel smarter. They don't need other people. They don't need to trust other people. I mean, think about this. We have this challenge in the medical field when training medical doctors. When they want to learn bedside manners and influence, I get the call. But here's the challenge. They go to school for, what, 8, 10, 12 years? They're the expert. They know what's going on. And you go there. You're not feeling well. The doctor says, here's your regimen. Here's your prescription. There you go. And you're like, wait a minute. And you get on your computer, you type in your symptoms, and somebody in Arkansas says, no, they're wrong. Just eat more Brussels sprouts. (laughs) So who do people believe more, the Brussels sprout boy or the doctor? Usually the Brussels sprouts. Isn't that interesting? So that's a big shift there. Plus, there's a lot of negative information on the Internet about your product or service that your competitors put there. That is a lie. A lot of people, it's on the internet, it must be true. And there's some challenging things there. I mean, even look at that, I mentioned the media and the news, always focusing on the negative. What's even making it worse and bringing trust down is in the past, you really only had two or three 
news programs you could watch. You know, I'm going way back. I remember it, so maybe I don't know how way back. But anyway, we're going back. And these news organizations had to shoot down the middle where people got their information was very limited. There was no internet and there was only a couple places to watch your news. I mean, there was a newspaper or news program on TV. Now we resonate and find news outlets or places to get information that resonate with us, that tell us what we want to hear and how we want to hear it, whether it's true or not. We think it's true. I mean, think about it. On a big political day, go to uh, the two top news organizations on the internet and you will have an aneurysm because, like, do they watch the same thing? I mean, the way they spin it, the way they say it, but then people believe it. That's what they want to read. That could be causing a challenge, too. So, Tom, that is big picture on trust and why. You want to develop more trust, go to the archives and listen to the podcast on trust. We did that a few months ago. But great question. It is a challenge, and I don't see it improving much. It is dropping. So you have to earn that trust. Even though you're good people, you've got to earn it. I know you don't want to, but you have to. Don't assume that they accept you as the expert. You've got to earn that one, too. You've got to teach them something new, interesting, unique in the first couple minutes, or you've lost them. It's just not going to happen for you. All right, great question. Let's move on to our geeky article. Go. This is from our friends at Harvard Negotiating School on 10 Hard Bargaining Negotiating Skills, also found in the book Beyond Winning. These are those dark, dirty techniques that are pretty old school, very hard, very intimidating, can be dark. Some aren't as dark as others, but they're there, they're out there. I don't know if I necessarily want you using these, but it is aware when they're being used on you. you know, maybe every once in a while, we're never going to see the person again, and they start using them. You might want to reciprocate a little bit, but for the most part, these tend to hurt the negotiation process. But sometimes they work. That's why people still use them. That's why they're still being taught, because if you're not ready for them, they can throw you off, and you might accept the terms that you should not be accepting. So I'll go through with you. Number one, of course... The link will be at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Extreme demands followed by small, slow concessions. They get to your insult zone. They set the anchor. The anchor is where you start the negotiation. Really high, really low. These these ridiculous numbers. And that can be a challenge sometimes to where they're just coming in with these extreme demands and then slowly are coming down, slowly are coming down. Or even darker than that seen those with real estate investors to where you just want to sell your house for 300 that's fair and then the first person comes i'll give you 200 you're like go away next one's 210 the next one's 205 the next one's 215 and then there's a 195 you're like oh man i'm way off and they're just messing with your mind adjusting your perception of value helping you think you're way off on your price even though you're not and all those people that did that are from the same company Okay, they're just adjusting your perception. They're changing that anchor in your mind as far as what your home is really worth. Then there's old commitment tactics. Oh, my hands are tied. I only have a little discretion in negotiating. Well, yeah. First of all, you got to see if that's a knee jerk. Well, I need to talk to my partner. Just say, hey, what do you need to talk to him about? If they say, everything. All right, something's missing here. It's just up, but... Set the rules ahead of time. If that's a challenge for you and they keep saying, I need to talk to my partner, I can't make this decision, get to the decision maker, number one. Number two, if they really have to talk to somebody else, make sure you're there. 
or at least prep them for the discussion because no one's going to persuade as well as you can your product, your service, or your idea. Number three, the old take it or leave it, where they say it's non-negotiable. Just remember, nothing's non-negotiable. Just ignore it at first. See what they do. See if they come back with another offer. The big picture here is you need to know when it's time to walk. I mean, if they're using these techniques on you, you've got to decide, do I really want to do business with this person? Do I really want to spend time with them if they're using these dark techniques? And part of that, too, before the emotions hit, you need to know your numbers. You should go to every negotiation with three numbers. I call it your win, what you want. That's the best case scenario. What you intend. I mean, realistically, that's what it's worth. And what you need, the worst case scenario. And usually it's about a 30% difference between the top number and the bottom number. Just kind of that's a range. It changes by industry, but that's one way to look at it. Number four, inviting unreciprocated offers. When you make an offer, you have to wait for them to counteroffer before you make your next offer. So you don't bid against yourself. I call this self-negotiating. We <laughs> see it all the time. Where there's silence or there's this look and you panic and you drop your price a little more. Panic a little more, a little more silence, you drop it a little more. That's a huge challenge. I think it was one of our blunders a while back, the whole self-negotiating process with a company that was selling employee leasing. And the CEO had already decided, let's do this. This is a great idea. And the salesperson came in for that very last meeting and says, all right, we can do everything for 3%. And this person had a little RBF. Looking, go ahead and look that one up. Or I call it resting brat face. Just looked mean and used a lot of silence. Was happy with three. But this salesperson panicked two and three quarters. We'll adjust this and do this. Silence. Two and a half. Two <laughs> Silence. When all I got down all the way to two and a quarter when they were happy with 3%. So be very careful on that one, the way they use silence or angry looks or mean faces. Any of those things can help you self-negotiate, which you do not want to do. Or they bring five or six lawyers to stare at you. That's one of the reasons they do that. Next one, trying to make you flinch. Negotiation 101, where they fall off their chair, they freak out. Are you kidding me? That's highway robbery. That's... My breaking point, I'm going to cry, right? Just all of a sudden, it's just, wow, they can't believe you even put that number out, even though you've done your research. So when that happens, just smile or say, well, what are you expecting to invest? And get a number from them. And you see this a lot in other cultures, because if people don't flinch, they're going to change the price on you. Something like, how much for the suit? Oh, it's $200. And if you don't flinch, they'll say, for the jacket, it's another 50 for the pants, and Right, they'll just keep going on until you either leave or you buy everything because you think it's a great deal when it's not. Then number six, the personal insults and the feather ruffling, they call it. <laughs> They're attacking you, making fun of your mom, making fun of how you look. They're going to make fun of that. You look terrible. Were you up all night? Have you never negotiated before? <laughs> Are you really that dumb? Just personal jabs, insults. Hey, take a break. Come back later. Maybe you don't want to negotiate with them. Just realize it's their only tool. They really don't have that many. If that's the tool they're using, <laughs> don't let them drag you down. And remember the rule of negotiating. Only one person upset at a time, and it should not be you. Because they're just trying to get under your skin, get a reaction out of you. Remember when you feel anger, blood leaves your brain. You're not thinking clearly, fight or flight. And, of course, if both parties get angry, that's when really bad things happen because you just don't think clearly. It's that Chinese proverb that says, 
The person who attacks first admits their ideas have given out. So they're doing personal insults in your face. They just run out of tools. It's either their only tool, they run out of tools. That can be a huge challenge. I've monitored hundreds of negotiations, and I've seen very successful, wealthy people, well-educated. When they get to that point, you'll hear this, well, I make more money than you. (laughs) Whoa, my dad can beat up your dad? I mean, we're going back to the playground here? But that's how people are. Next one they call bluffing, puffing, and lying. It would be exaggeration, misrepresentation of the facts to throw you off guard. You can be polite and write it down, but be skeptical. Ask them where they found it, get a copy of it, Google it, do something, or show a counter-argument or a counter-study or counter-statistic or something else that you can prove that that claim's not correct without backing them in the corner saying, no, you're lying, you're dumb, you're weird, you're strange, whatever your insult is. Just kind of, hey, well, this is funny. I found this one. I wonder which one is more correct. Just got to be more the investigator here trying to find out where this information is coming from. Number eight, threats and warnings. Similar to the personal insults, but man, if these are personal threats against you, your life, your family, you got to be careful. Or maybe they're going to threaten to fire you or say something to the boss, the CEO, if it's an internal negotiation. I think it's time to walk. But if you have to be there, you have to seal the deal, you just got to not let it get to you. You've got to put on that poker face and not let it bother you. And don't throw them back at them. I mean, they still train these things. The threats, the warnings, cutting off the inch of your chair so you feel smaller when you sit in it. And you feel that way subconsciously because you haven't noticed it consciously. They might have you sit right where the sun shines. They'll turn up the heat. The air conditioning won't work. They'll smoke it on smoking room. Just to throw you off your game. Number nine, belittling your alternatives. So you need to know your alternatives, what those alternatives cost, what they're worth, what are those numbers. Harvard calls it BATNA, which is the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So second option, maybe a third or fourth option. How do you make the pie bigger? And don't let them belittle you. They maybe haven't thought about making the pie bigger. They probably only have one option. And... Learn to ask more questions here. Find out exactly what they need. That is a big challenge we don't even think about sometimes. Is they're thinking their options the only good option, and you're thinking the same thing, so kind of meld them together, create some different ones, make the pie bigger, find out what the real issues are, then it becomes much easier to negotiate. And drum roll for number 10, good cop, bad cop. The one you see on TV where the one's bad, I'm going to kill you, you're such a bad person. And, of course, the good cop comes in, oh, just leave. They're just angry. Don't worry about that. I'll be your friend. Still teaching it, still happens. Uh, Just smile when that one happens. Or what I like to do is identify it and say, you guys using good cop, bad cop? (laughs) And that stops it in its track almost every time. They'll deny it and they'll move on. And they had their fun with it, but it's not going to work on you. So when you see these, don't let them bother you. Maybe it is time to walk. And that's always a great negotiation technique to see how serious they are if you're the first one to walk. Ask yourself, do I want to do business with this person? But again, calm, cool, collected is not bothering you. There are other dirty deeds out there, but those are their top 10 dirty deeds. I'll talk about a few more of those on the YouTube channel on Maximize Your Influence on how to work with these tricks, these dark techniques that are still out there. They're still being taught. Again, 
really don't want you using them, maybe here and there, maybe. But it's more to be aware that they're being used on you. And here's the other tidbit of the week I really want you to understand, because some of you are like, ah, negotiation, I don't want to play that game. They go high, you go low. It's really not negotiating, but a lot of people start there. We call that bargaining, just going back and forth. But some people just say, I don't want to play that game. Just I can't do that. But let me just tell you this. If they have come to play the game and you don't play the game, you're going to lose the game because they're expecting you to play the game. <laughs> what do I mean? If you were looking at a home, $300,000, we use that price again. And it was perfect. We'd win. It was a fair price. And you're like, all right, done. I'll take it. And they kind of look at you and you're like, yeah, I'll take it. That's fair. An hour later, you're getting a phone call as they back out of the deal because you created dissonance or remorse or questions in their mind because they're thinking, wait a minute, that was way too easy. We were supposed to negotiate. What, do they know something I don't? Has the market changed? Something's going on. It can't be that easy. And all these things go through their mind, and then they're going to back out. So if they're wanting to play the game, you've got to play the game. And that's why you need to learn these techniques and realize that negotiation is very different than persuasion. The rules always persuade first, negotiate second. That's key. That's how it's done. And that is from the article, Ted Hard Bargaining Negotiation Skills. Again, I'll post that at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Appreciate your time being here. Recommend the podcast. Of course, hit the like button. To your family, friends, and enemies, find us at iHeart and Spotify, iTunes, and of course, the new YouTube channel at Maximize Your Influence, where I take a little bit of what I've talked about on the show and supersize a little bit to give you a little more information on how it works. So, as you know, master these skills, become more persuasive, increase your income, improve your relationships, and go out and persuade with power.